In the early 1900s, fight or flight was used to describe behaviors that happened when there was a perceived danger. Then about 50 years later, freeze was added as another human response to threat. And just in recent years, the fawn response was added to this. Fawn is F-A-W-N. You may have heard about five or even more reactions as well, including flop, flag, faint, but I would like to focus on the main four, fight, flight, freeze, and phone. Let's talk about them a little bit. So the fight response. In my simple mind, I thought that this was a response that meant just that, a fight. Fight with all your might whenever you had a threat or felt threatened, whether physically or verbally. You know, fight, kick, punch, scream, bite, anything. But the more I have used and learned about this term, I have come to understand that this is not only a response for the present moment, but it's a response or an instinct to confront the abuser at any point and by whatever means. What am I saying here? Well, when we're abused or assaulted, we can fight, scream, punch, kick, etc. It may work at the moment and send the abuser out the door, but it may not. So then we have to act after the fact. And we have different options as a result of what happened. This is when we can fight taking different approaches. We can confront the abuser. We can seek legal action. We can do whatever it takes to make us feel empowered over this perpetrator. And many times over anyone who appears to be harmful to us. So this is a response that can be taken as a fight that can be done assertively or it can be done in a way that may not have the best results for us. For example, say we post what happened in the media, as truthful as our words about what happened may be, we may be opening ourselves up for more pain in the form of being accused of a slander. If we don't have the proper backup to our claims, this is a likely outcome. And yes, none of this is fair. But the point in this example is that we must do whatever we have to be careful so it won't backfire and make our recovery harder. Let me give you an example or two. When I confronted my abuser from childhood, uh, he abused me for many years when I was uh, very, very young. And uh, one day I actually uh, saw him because this was a family member, is still a family member, and I came face to face with him and uh, he actually wanted to uh, 
to spend time with my daughter. Obviously, that was not something that I was going to allow. So I immediately said, don't, don't, don't come close to my child. And he acted like he didn't know what I was talking about. And he said, why? What's wrong? And I said, look, you may have forgotten what you did, but what happened was wrong and it hurt me. And to this day, I'm hurt and I am in recovery. And this is your fault. This is on you. And he laughed. He actually said, well, but, well, there were more, more words exchanged. And then he realized what I was talking about. And he said, after having a grin on his face, well, but I wasn't your first one. Imagine how sick I felt. Imagine my disgust, my pain. It was like, I remember that moment. It was like everything was crumbling down, but I had my daughter, my baby in my arms. So that little uh, situation of everything starting to get blurry and dark had to come back. I had to come back to life and say, well, I said what he deserved. And I said, don't ever come close to me. Don't ever come close to my child. Um, so yes, I got a response that I didn't expect to have. It is uh, something that uh, we want to prevent. I mean, we don't know how uh, people are going to react with confrontation. Another example I can give you is when I was assaulted a few years back by a doctor and uh, all my recovery went down the drain and, and I was down low in the, in the source of pain. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want this to happen to other people who were their, his patients. I knew this could happen. I know it could have happened to, to many other women under his care. And so I wanted to do something. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized it will be a, his word against mine. It will be a doctor's word against a person who has history of depression and anxiety and sexual abuse against his. Not only that, but this would be a court case and uh, people would be present and my words would be in doubt more, most likely. Did I need that then? Do I need that now? Back then I didn't. I could not have handled it. There is no way. I decided that I wouldn't call the police. And I, I did file a report with the medical board in Virginia, but it was anonymous. So I don't know if they did anything I sure hope so. So connecting this experience to the fight response, it was just a fight I did not want to choose to take. It was not going to be a good fight to pick for me. So the last fight, I decided to do it with or through therapy. 
accepting my limits or my limitations to how much I could handle was a big step. And I've been working on all this. And as you know, I've been feeling better. Uh, I don't know if today I could still go to the police and do all this, going to court and all that. I don't know if that will set me back or not. If this is something I would have to think seriously about. But anyway, I don't want to go sideways, which I am doing. So going back to fight, we must do what we can to take care of ourselves. Fighting is not only one way through physical force, but we can do different things. Let's move on to flight. What does this mean? Is it run away as fast as you can to the point of almost flying? Perhaps. That is an in-the-moment response. If we perceive threat and somebody's coming at us, yeah, get out of there. So again, it's, that would be an in-the-moment response. But how do we deal with the aftermath of trauma and the flight response? Simply put, we avoid situations where we may find danger, where we think we might be at risk. Say, for example, if we go to a party and we see that there is a lot of people who have been drinking more than they really should have, at least in our view, we leave immediately this environment, this party, because we perceive this to be a potential dangerous situation for us. So our flight response takes over and we want to avoid any dangerous situation. I guess avoidance may be the key word here, which could lead us to isolate ourselves because we want to feel safe. If we're alone, no one is going to harm us. And we want to be in a safe place. So when we think about safe places, what are they? Where are these places? Is it at home? work? Is it the restaurant that we always go to? Is it family gatherings? Perhaps we only have one single place where we feel safe now and we want to stay there. And this of course creates more isolation. But the more we work on our awareness of the responses we have to our trauma, we may feel more confident and expand our safe places we may start to realize that there isn't danger everywhere we go. Yes, I know that we tend to think that way most of the time. And truthfully, I think I do that too. But I'm also a social person and I go out a lot. And my radar is always up and I avoid situations that could be risky. Like the one I described earlier. Trust me. Though, bad things don't happen all the time and everywhere. Bad things won't happen every time we step out our safe zone. You will learn to trust your instincts and get out more. But right now, do what is best for you. 
Let's move to the freeze response. The ever so present response. You know how fast you become a marble statue, right? You can't move, can hardly breathe, can hardly think. It's a horrible response to a present threat. Like when you're sleeping and you hear a noise, totally frozen. That used to happen to me all the time. And it got worse because I had a break-in in the middle of the night when I was alone at home. Hell, I really froze. And then I realized, well, I can just stay in bed like this. I am pregnant and I must protect us. So I jump out of my bed, grab the phone, and hid while dialing 911. Well, that's a whole different story. But I did freeze for a few seconds, and then I took action. But when we are victims of sexual abuse as children, what happens with this response? We can't fight a bigger man or woman. We had all the mixed emotions. If this was a family member or someone the family respected. So we just froze and dissociated. I do remember with a lot of pain all those frozen times. It was like, okay, I accepted. It is what it is. I didn't feel like I was a person. Well, I can define it now. But it was like, you know, I was an object. And then my mind would take me somewhere else. Totally dissociated. That was the freeze response. All right, let's move to the fourth F, which is for fun, which refers to the survivor's inclination to appease or please their abuser in order to survive. Huh. Gosh, haven't we all been there so many times? I have. This response of submission and compliance was or is our belief that no more harm would be caused if we just wait and perhaps we hope that the, the abuse will end sooner. Perhaps we were even submissive and obedient not only to protect ourselves but our loved ones. I do have experience like most of you pro probably that if you have siblings or or, or younger relatives, uh, you just want to protect them because even though you are not sure that what is happening is uh, normal, you feel in your gut that there is something that you don't want to happen to your loved ones. So recognizing that this is a psychological response can help us develop self-compassion in a survival strategy rather than a reflection of weakness. We were not weak. We just didn't know what was going on. We just wanted this to end, that to end. And we had hopes that, you know, it was going to end if we were just obedient and submissive. It's just 
It's just that simple. It was not our fault. It was not our fault. We must keep working and learning about these responses. Learn about loving ourselves and understanding that self-compassion is so important to our recovery. So there you have it, my friends. I have talked a little bit about the four responses, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And I don't know if this has been helpful to you, but I should hope so. But if not, I hope that it at least made you curious about the root of our responses to fear. It is so important to learn more about why we react the way we do to different situations. I really believe the more we learn about our trauma, the easier our recovery will be and the faster we will get to a better place in our lives. With that, I'll leave you for now and send you love and positive vibes. Take good care.